Good afternoon, world, and welcome to the Between Two Worlds podcast, stories of belief, unbelief, and everything in between. We are here with my good friend and co-worker, Douglas Turner, as well as my co-host on this podcast, Joey. Hello, hello. Well, guys, I'm grateful that we get a chance to do this on this wonderful Friday afternoon. And uh, <clears throat> let's go ahead and do uh, an intro of ourselves with our label. Douglas, you can start. Great. Well, as you've already heard, my name is Douglas. I'm originally from the UK. And my label, I would say, is I'm a classic ambivert in that I am naturally an introvert, but I enjoy and get a lot of energy out of one-on-one -on -one connection uh, with people. Hmm. That's a good one. I was thinking to go again with the non-believer stuff, but I actually am an ex-introvert who became an extrovert because of the whole Corona situation because I crave people. <laughs> nice. Wow. All right, there's a little bit of a thing going on here as far as people interaction. Uh, but I am a Christian and I am working on being more honest with myself and with others. I probably should have mentioned that I'm also a Christian, hence being a co-worker of Scott. <laughs> yes, and we'll get more into that. Um, yeah, since I guess it's about belief and unbelief, that makes sense to box you in at that point and then you can move outside of your own box. Um, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about this week and how it's been. We've got this opener. We're gonna be sharing stories of something in this week that's been um, exciting. And then we've got annoying and we've got embarrassing. We've each taken one of them. And so uh, let's have exciting go first. So my exciting story is not going to happen for this week. On the 25th, I will officially hear if I'm going back to school or not. So this week has just been counting the days till next Thursday. What happens next Thursday? What do you find out? An uh, intake call. So it's a 10-minute phone call uh, between me and the teachers. Uh, before going back to school, you do a test to see if you're on the right level or is this actually the education you want to follow and well you're not really gonna hear a no from them but after that it's official that you can go back to school it's like speed dating for for, for education yeah for schools yeah awesome <laughs> okay let's see douglas hit us with that annoying yes your story for annoying this week comes from me and actually, my story actually changed. Um, something more annoying happened to me. As of, I think, 45 minutes ago, I thought this interview was going to be happening in person. So the ambivert over here was really excited to be experiencing physical connection uh, doing this interview in Scott and Joey's presence. And then I suddenly found out from Scott, oh, actually, it's happening over Zoom. <laughs> I've had a little bit too much experience of that during Corona. So, yeah. Not going to hate on these guys, but I was pretty annoyed. <laughs> Surprise, everyone. Zoom days are not over. Uh, yes, that happened. Don't know how I missed it, but I did not tell Douglas <laughs> that this was a Zoom podcast. 
It's okay. I still love you. <laughs> that is an interesting thing. I do wonder if Zoom made a buttload of money and then everyone's just like so fed up that they're going to just drop off. <laughs> but I doubt it. I think people are like, wow, I actually kind of prefer not wearing pants. Let's keep using Zoom. Don't tell everyone my secret, okay? <laughs> um, all right. Embarrassing is what I've got this past week. Uh, two things, actually. One, I just put on some cologne. I don't do that a ton. Brianna got me a little testers, and I tested one of them. Wow, it's strong. I feel like this whole house is like I'm swimming in a cologne bottle for Versace or something. It's real strong. The other one is a text that I thought was funny um, to my fellow improv group. No one else thought it was funny, especially not the females in the group. Um, I have four brothers, and so I think sometimes my interactions on a humor level, when I th what I think are funny is more just like, wow, that male is really ignorant. Um, anyway, we're trying to figure out a name for our improv crew. We're about to have a performance in two weeks or so, three weeks maybe. Um, and I was like, and we've been losing a lot of members. So I was like, oh, lost, like, what are some, you know, lost boys? Yes, lost boys. But then I was like, lost boys and some lost girls. Oh, that's kind of weird. So I just said, lost boys and some females. And the girls in the group, they really didn't like that. Uh, and, and then I kind of tried to take it a couple steps further to like, to kind of bring back in the humor. And it just kept digging the hole of like misogyny. And I was just like, oh, I don't know how to get off this train. <laughs> God, I'm embarrassed that I still, it's not repaired. I don't know what to do. Honestly, if you look at the text, he's not on the train, he's under the train. <laughs> and they're yeah, just kinda, waiting to start that engine again. She kind of buried me a little bit. Well, good stuff. Good stuff we can joke with, being all dudes right here. <laughs> no train. Um, yeah. Yikes. So, Douglas, we're excited to have you on here. We've explained it probably before, but just for the new listeners, the design of this podcast um, came out of a friendship that Joey and I have built over improv and realizing uh, there's a lot that is very similar to us. We both love improv. We love making people laugh. We love to put our foot in our mouths at times when we make jokes that don't work. Maybe not Joey, just me. Um, and then we also realized uh, we have a difference of faith backgrounds. I grew up Christian, went through a period of doubt, kind of wrestling through that, and then ultimately realized, yes, I do believe this. And Joey, oh, Joey, I'll let you explain for yourself your background. Yeah, so my background is uh, no religion whatsoever. I'm just a really curious dude. And thanks to Scott, I started to yeah, go to his group a couple of times, just uh, figuring out, like, what, what do I believe? Well, my belief hasn't changed so far. Scott is still trying his <laughs> hardest. <laughs> Not my hardest. You haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it will come. But uh, no, my, my belief is still there's something out there. I'm just not uh, giving that name and or label. Mm. So that is uh, my background so far. So the hope is to have guests on here to tell their story of faith and, uh, and us to be able to ask them questions and then hopefully to also be able to um, 
ask yeah deeper questions about like well what about this or have you thought about this and so it's nice that joey and i come from two different perspectives and hopefully the guests will be uh, alternating each week from a, a faith perspective and then a not faith perspective and to be honest it's more like from a christian perspective and then from uh, more like non-christian perspective um just because i think i you know seeing the name of this podcast it's in between two worlds and i feel the tension sometimes of i work for a christian organization but I love doing improv and other creative things where there isn't usually a lot of Christians. And so I kind of want to bring those two worlds together. So Douglas, let's start off. First, just tell us where you're from and how you ended up in Amsterdam. Ooh, good question. So I already think I shared, but I'm from the UK in case you couldn't tell from my beautiful accent ha 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 and i am living in the netherlands now for the third time in my life and this time it's been i'm in my I'm almost celebrating my seventh anniversary this time around so i lived here once as a kid because uh, of my parents work uh, that was actually meant to be permanent but we ended up moving back to the uk my parents didn't really fall in love with the Netherlands like I clearly have. Um, and then the second time was during my bachelor study. I um, did a year of internships and I really wanted to have some um, yeah, experience living abroad uh, again. And I just so happened to end up here again. And, uh, and then I went back to England again uh, to finish my bachelor. And then I was looking for graduate jobs and uh, the company where I happened to do my internship here reached out to me and uh, told me about a job opportunity. And so for the third time, <laughs> without expecting it, I moved to the Netherlands again. And so here I am, uh, yeah, seven years in. Man, I can imagine, like, how was that transition to go back the second time? How, did you have the same feeling as a kid coming back here? I, I It's a good question, actually. Yeah, I feel like, in a way, I did, because um, obviously when I was a kid, my parents made a lot well they made all the decisions of like whether we came whether we left and so I really felt like I was coming back a little bit with the experience that they've had um, and we didn't live in Amsterdam the the first time I lived here as a, as a child I um, very much never had like a kind of um, inner city upbringing so I think that's why my parents are also a little bit skeptical about uh, living here so we had a very suburban um, experience of living here and that's what I think consequently was kind of negative for them. Uh, there wasn't as much of an international vibe as I experienced now living in Amsterdam. So I did feel, yeah, feel like I moved back here the second time, maybe carrying, carrying some of the more negative experience that they had, but that I feel like was really redeemed um, through my own personal experience of living here by myself or without my family. <laughs> not, to say, not to make it sound like I hate my family, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was also uh, grown up and had a lot more life experience then. So yeah, it was different. So Douglas, is uh, Amsterdam now the place you've, or at least one of the places you've lived the longest? Um, yes, I'd probably say, I'd probably say it's a close tie. Probably half of my life England, half of my life here. I'd say, yeah. So what, uh, what about this? A little, bit more, a little bit more here, but. Oh, wow. What about the city um, mm -hmm. keeps drawing you back or keeps you here? What do you like about it? Um, I think 
what I love, at least what I love from the from the first couple of, couple of experiences I had the second time and this third time that I've moved here has been the international diversity. Um, I think that's what made me want to keep exploring living abroad was that I really enjoy, um, yeah, I think I really enjoy being in a new culture in a new environment with other people. And so the first company that I worked for, we were all pretty much internationals. And so I think that really played into the excitement of being in a place like Amsterdam, which is in a way so diverse with uh, so much of a multicultural uh, audience um, to be a part of that. And um, just Amsterdam in itself, I feel like isn't like any other city in the world. It doesn't have kind of the intensity of the you know, rush, rush to be somewhere, to be there, like London does, for example, or I imagine New York um, or even Paris, um, but it really has this kind of, um, yeah, like low demanding, low key, like really laid back vibe that I just really gels with me. And I just love the, the hybrid to it, that you can be in the city and then within 15 minutes, you can be in the middle of a park, like as if you're in the country, that just kind of really gels well with my personality, I think. Hmm. Hmm. And you might have already just mentioned this a little bit, but um, you've changed jobs mm -hmm. uh, somewhat recently. Mm -hmm. We're co-workers. Do you want to explain a little bit of that transition and what you're doing now? Yeah. So I um, originally I was um, still, well, I studied and I moved here um, working in the fashion industry. So I've had a few different roles. I've, I basically did quite a, a bit of a diverse degree where it kind of covered everything from design to um, quality control and, and garment making. So uh, I've done some work as a designer, I've done some work as a garment technician, and I've also done some 3D design. Um, so I've really done quite a lot within the fashion world, I'd say. Um, but now, yeah, I work for a Christian organization called The Navigators, a nonprofit organization. And that's something that's uh, yeah obviously happened since I've been here. I <clears throat> I've had an interesting experience, an interesting journey with faith, I would say. Um, and uh, yeah, I think even before I was studying fashion, I always had a heart for people and a heart for justice. So I was actually originally a completely different world. I was originally interested in social work and really helping people and making an impact um, through that avenue. Um, and then, yeah, a little bit through the reputation that the industry of social work uh, has in the UK was kind of what caused me to not pursue that just uh, around the time where you're supposed to be making all those important life decisions of what do I want to do with my life when you're 17 or 18 which in my experience was far too young um, yeah there was just a lot of bad rep for social workers especially in the UK there was a lot of hard stories in the in the press and a lot of the the negative results of cases was projected on the social workers not doing their jobs properly and so that just really kind of made me question myself and did I want to step into that line of work and did I have the emotional capacity to like not let that impact my personal life and so I just decided that um yeah I needed a lot more life experience and honestly looking back I think maturity as well before I stepped into something like that um and Amsterdam I found moving here was a great city where you can explore that as a volunteer I, I actually before even getting back in touch with my faith I, I found um, multiple organizations that were that were interested in helping people and so that was kind of really a reawakening of that desire I had for justice and for helping others and then um, from there from there like coincidentally I also found myself on a path of faith again and uh, 
yeah, with with that, I I kind of found that the job that I have now working for the Navigators really kind of combines those two things beautifully, like the element of social work and helping others, but also spiritually growing both for myself and helping others grow uh, on their journey through faith as well. So, I'm really curious for the time between faith be, uh, being completely in faith and without faith what were the biggest difference for you during that time and how did you reconnect uh, to your faith later mm. on mm, great question um i feel like i kind of had a very um cliche traditional um experience from childhood with faith um well more religion i would say than faith in the sense that it was something that i was kind of born into um it's kind of still, well, at least in my family, I originally come from kind of Church of England, so Protestant background. And so very normal that you're kind of born into a family and baptized as a baby. And I went to Sunday school for probably the first, yeah, until I was six at least, I think. Um, and so I kind of had the foundational knowledge and awareness of Christianity as a religion. Um, I didn't really have any kind of concept of who God actually was and what it meant for me to have a personal relationship with him. I had, I didn't really hold any idea or kind of even a desire to understand what it meant for Jesus to have died on the cross for me personally. And um, the Holy Spirit, as I know it today, was only ever referred to as the Holy Ghost, which as it may sound to most people still today, is very intimidating and scary and you just don't want to ask about that. So I honestly just have no personal um, understanding of, of the religion in itself. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like as I grew up as well, I, uh, I grew up in a culture where it just didn't have a very high value, um, Christianity as, it's, as, as a religion. Um, and a lot of other things, especially yeah, for me as a group, as a teenager, I kind of lost all kind of sense of moral in a way. Um, I think also moving at a young age to a new culture. Uh, when I moved here to the Netherlands, I was nine. And so being in a culture where there wasn't a lot of English speakers, it was, it was kind of a, a, a natural way for us to fall out of any kind of church community that my parents may have once had. And so then it really did just become like a ritualistic thing, like we'll go to church at Christmas or at Easter and just made it all more less personal. And, um, and yeah, then growing up, I, I was confronted with homosexuality um, at quite a young age. I, um, and that was something that I was actually bullied for quite a lot before I even came to terms with it myself. And now looking back, I do realize that I never actually stopped believing in there being a God in the sense that um, when, I, when I came to terms with my homosexuality for myself, I, I felt like it was more honorable for me to God in admitting that and coming to terms with that rather than hiding it and suppressing it. Um, so on, on the one hand, I look at, back at that and I think, wow, that's beautiful. But then a consequence for me um, at the time was, well, then I can't be a Christian. I can't go to church because how could these two things ever possibly coexist within my morals or values? Um, because, my, because I think it was something that had been projected. My sexuality was something that had been projected on me. It felt like it was something that was of such a high value that it kind of... Uh, it took more importance than it took more importance than my faith ever could or ever would um and so i feel like as i moved here to the netherlands uh 
yeah, I, I don't know whether it was a it was a sense of exploring my sexuality with more freedom that I I suddenly reached this place where I I didn't I wasn't feeling satisfied in a way that I had hoped I would. Uh, I didn't fall in love. I didn't you know. I think all the things I'd hoped for out of the freedom of uh, exploring that part of my life actually didn't lead to anything. Um, and so coincidentally, at the same time, I was working with someone who happened to be a Christian in the fashion industry and kind of, I think I had some kind of understanding that they were a Christianity, that maybe they were a Christian, they'd maybe, you know, dropped a line here or there. And I don't know, the idea of working with a Christian in the fashion industry was just really weird to me. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to get into that. And uh, yeah, if they if they are a Christian and they and and, you know, they they know I'm a homosexual, then they're just going to hate me. So it was just it was just not something to dive into a conversation about. Um, but then, uh, yeah, it just so happened that actually they uh, sent me an email one day inviting me to their baptism. Uh, and that was a whole new ball game to me. I'd never been a part of a church where adults get baptized. It was only ever something, you know, parents decide for their babies. And that's just the way it is. And, um, but I felt very honored and uh, to have been invited. And I kind of wanted to respect that. And also just out of pure curiosity, go and see what, what it was like, what was going to happen. Um, so I did that. And honestly, I went with this uh, conception already that it was going to be really weird and people were going to try and brainwash me and make me go back and I was going to hate it. But um, I actually had a really opposite experience. I, I really got a sense of community in the way that I saw people who attended regularly really love each other well. And yeah, I got to see my coworkers share their testimony, which was really powerful. Um, and so I think it was really significant that I met that person outside of the church. So it was a very, um, it was a very mutual environment in the sense that we worked together. Um, and so just naturally we ended up getting to have more conversations then about faith, why it was so important to them that they wanted to get baptized in front of 200 people, why, why it wasn't important to me um, or why faith wasn't, you know, a part of my life at that point. Um, so yeah, that was, I think that was really beautiful and impactful um, in hindsight for me at the time, it was just like, oh, we're just having a conversation, but it really started to open my heart to what, what do just kind of like what you were saying, Joey, like, what do I believe? What, what do I hold value for? Whether it is religion or whether it's not religion or, um, so yeah, I just feel like out of, out of the conversations we had, I, I also really started to notice how faith impacted their life and in the work environment especially how there were difficult people that we worked with who it was really difficult for me to communicate with and just tolerate and i saw this christian person like just have this they just had this overwhelming sense of compassion and ability to like kind of yeah just they they could just tolerate them in a way that didn't seem possible to me and uh, now looking back as a christian that i am today i realized that it was it was grace i just didn't know what grace was that they were able to extend that level of compassion to them and um and that they were that they were reciprocating to that as well that they were just then easier to work with for that person because they were yeah able to treat them in a better way than felt like it was possible for me to at the time um and so yeah out of that i i started to I, yeah, I wanted to grow more and, and figure out more for myself. Well, what do I believe? Do, do I want to pursue this as well? And so in the conversation we had together at the new year, so this was a couple of months after they were baptized, um, we kind of had one of those cliche conversations of what do you want to achieve this year? What's your new year's resolution? And um, 
and out of nowhere I just felt this desire to say like yeah I, I think I want to see what it's like to have a personal relationship with God and uh, at this point my friend's jaw drops in the ground and they uh, completely gobsmacked that I just said this and uh, and they challenged me they said okay well then you've got to go to church but you can't just go once you've got to you know you've got to go a few times for like a month and just see what you think is this something for you or uh, or not and uh, that felt like way too high a challenge at the time. So I said, oh yeah, maybe. And then about March, <laughs> a couple of months later, I, I decided I'd go with them. If they were going, then I could go with them and it would be safe and I would explore it. But, um, and then, yeah, do, do I go on? And then I, I just, yeah, I kept going and I, um, yeah, I really realized that this wasn't like any church I'd ever been to before in the sense that um, just the teaching was really profound and, something that I could really take away with me outside of the church place on a Sunday afternoon and it really impacted the way I thought and the way I you know, even behaved in the rest of my week it really was powerful food for thought and just really transformed my mind and the way that I the way that I saw things for myself for other people it's just yeah it was really impactful and I start, so I started to miss it when I when I would maybe skip church so if I went out on a Saturday night and I thought oh, I'm too lazy or too hungover to go to church the next day later I would really regret it and I would feel like my day had a hole because I didn't fill it with that spiritual nourishment that I now really long for and um, still today um so yeah and over time, I, I then, there's, there's something for the listeners who don't know called the Alpha Course, which like really lets you explore life's questions, like what is the meaning of life? Um, where does God have a part in that? What is the church? Um, all these kind of really foundational questions that can really be impactful and were impactful for me. And that felt like a massive commitment, my next high challenge after accepting to go to church. Um, and um, yeah, I felt like to, to make as bold a commitment as that, because I'm a bit of a commitment phobe, I won't lie. I felt like if I'm going to do this, <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, I need to, I need to bring all my cards and lay them out on the table. So I really felt like I needed to bring my sexuality into the light because for me, it still acted as a massive barrier between me and the church. Um, and so, yeah, that was on the one hand hard, but really necessary as well. And so in a way quite freeing that I was able to voice that, um, in a group of strangers and Christian strangers as well. Um, but they were really receptive to that, to, to my vulnerability and to my honesty. And so I would say some barriers were broken in that, but it was still, my sexuality had such a higher, um, higher stance, higher value in my life than my faith ever had, that it was really still hard for me to even comprehend the idea of accepting Christianity as part of my life without it being first accepted, without my sexuality, sorry, first being accepted by Christians. Um, so yeah, that was really hard. So yeah, I miraculously continued going to church even after this alpha course, um, which is a time when, when you know, statistically a lot of people become Christian through this course. Um, for me, that didn't happen um, purely because I still had this high value for my sexuality beyond my faith. But like I said, miraculously, I, I still continued to go to church because I was I was starting to plant friendships within the church and experience community for myself, which was really valuable. As I've said, like I really value strong connection with people. Um, and then, yeah, one one Sunday, someone who who I'm now good friends with happened to be preaching in the church and and shared their story and and their experience with same sex attraction and and how they'd actually made the decision to vow for a life of celibacy and. Um, 
and yeah, really, that really spoke. I, I think I, I kind of had this uh, this idea that that's the expectation that most Christians have of people with same-sex attraction that they that they will just live a life of celibacy, um, which for me at the time was just like, well, I'm going to comprehend that. That's not an option for me. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, when I first heard him speak, I, I just remember feeling really, really. I had a really negative response. I felt really like put down and really like. I kind of like spoken to this core lie that see this is why I don't belong here. Why am I here? Um, what are people expecting of me? Why did I? You know, all of the kind of negative questions that you could imagine coming out of that happened basically. Um, but some again miraculously in some way that that really just kind of opened my mind and opened my heart to do like well what really is then the purpose of of life? Like is it is it does my sexuality really have that higher value? that I would be willing to sacrifice the spiritual nourishment that I've been experiencing every week, these relationships that I've started to build. I would essentially be giving up all of those things if I was to let this sexuality take ownership of both those things, um, which as I said, really wasn't fulfilling me in a way that I thought, like I hadn't, I hadn't, I still hadn't had an, a long-term committed relationship with anyone, even in living in the freedom of my sexuality. Um, and so yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I was wrestling more and more with these deep, burning questions, and it's hard to describe. But one day, was, again, very cliche, I was just riding my bicycle through Amsterdam, which, you know, who doesn't do that in the Netherlands? But uh, one, yeah, this this specific time, I just felt really overwhelmed with a strong sense of joy that kind of came out of nowhere. And um, yeah only way I can describe it is like someone's just given you a check for a thousand euros but you don't have the thousand euros um but in that like and also upon reflection now even looking back this was what five years ago now I I really felt like it was my encounter with Jesus and it was Jesus saying to me what if what if whether you're in a relationship or not doesn't matter what if whether people accept you or not because of your sexuality doesn't matter what if I'm enough for you and what if you're enough for me um, which sounds really profound and really strange. And I even remember asking my friend who invited me to church originally, um, hey, have you ever had this feeling before where you feel really joyful all of a sudden, but nothing has actually happened that would make you feel that way? And they just had a massive grin on their face and said, uh-huh. So I thought, okay, then clearly this isn't as crazy or as unusual as I thought, but I've just never experienced it before. And I, I had it a couple more times after that. And yeah, I just, I just felt like after I had this experience that, uh, I suddenly felt a weight of freedom off my shoulders that I didn't, I didn't have this strong social anxiety when I stepped into the church that I'd once had. I didn't, I didn't feel so um, suffocated and strangled by the depths of my own story with my sexuality. I felt more freedom to share that with people from church without fear of judgment or condemnation. And yeah, and then as, as I kind of experienced that freedom, I then, I then was more confronted again by, by all the things I was doing outside of church. Um, you know, all the things that, you know, the typical Christian won't do, like go and get drunk, go and hook up and have one night stands. And I really felt like these two things were kind of becoming more and more resistant towards each other as I continued to dabble in both. And to the point where I really felt like God was challenging me and saying like, no, you need to make a choice. Um, especially as I, yeah, you know, I still have this circle of friends who, who, 
who were exploring all, all uh, these non-Christian things that I, I had already explored and, and found weren't life-giving and weren't fulfilling. Um, yeah, that really helped me make the decision pretty easily, actually, to the point where I was like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give you a chance and see what you have for me. And worst case, it doesn't work out, then I'll just go back to all of those things if I have to. And here I am today, and I, and I haven't had, had the need to yet. So, yeah, I really... Uh, I, I realize now, looking back again, at the time, it just felt like a lot of things were happening at once, coincidentally. But um, yeah, within a month or so, I'd say, after having made that decision, I, I then got invited to my first Navigator's Bible study, which is what I work for now. And uh, I really feel like God saw me make that decision and, and take that step of sacrifice and surrender. And he, he saw what I needed was community in the Christian world. And, uh, and that's what I got. So the story kind of goes on from there. <laughs> man that is a gigantic story but a very interesting story and there's actually three main points that really jump out for me as a question mm-hmm. um, like in the middle of your story you specifically told us that you feel a different connection to the Christian co-worker and other co-workers do, mm-hmm. you, do you experience that in, in daily life as well like going to a bar, do you think if you find a Christian that there's a, already a deeper connection there or do you think like it's different? Um, so if I understand your question correctly, do I, do I experience a naturally stronger connection with a Christian if I met them in a bar as opposed to a non-Christian? Yeah, or any kind of place, bar for example. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, I mean, I think Christian people are just as broken as non-Christian people. So in a way I'm inclined to say no, but there is, there's maybe a, there's a natural curiosity I always have when I meet someone, especially when it's someone I don't expect. For example, I've, I've, I've still had a secular part-time job on the side of my Christian job for the past year. And I've actually been surprised how many people I've met through that job who are also Christian. Um, one in particular that comes to mind, I just, he did not strike me as a Christian. And the moment I found out he was, there's just, there's all, there is this natural connection where I, where I suddenly want to know how he became a Christian. And, and in a way, it's a beautiful way to experience how God has been at work in someone else's life as opposed to mine. Um, everybody has a completely different story. I believe that whether they're Christian or not. So um, yeah, it's kind of a hybrid answer. On the one hand, yes, there's a spiritual curiosity I have when I meet a Christian, but then I mean, I, I still, I would say, especially in the, back in the UK, my friends are predominantly non-Christian, so it doesn't change my perception in any way um, in that regard. All right, that actually makes a lot of sense because it's kind of when you meet someone with the same music taste, you are naturally drawn to each other, but it doesn't really matter if they listen to it or not. Right, exactly. And I'm really curious because last conversation with our friend Christina, I asked the question because I'm kind of curious myself, what happens if I walk into a Christian girl and we start living together and get into a relationship? And I asked her, is that possible? And you specifically say now that you step away from the bar, bar scene, going out and everything. Do you feel like it's possible to still do all those things and be a good Christian or are you like nah it's it's better to follow this specific Christian path Hmm. really good question um I feel like for me um it's kind of changed over the past five years so five years ago yeah five years ago 
was when I made the decision like, hey, I don't want to pursue wholly this non-Christian lifestyle and not the Christian, you know, faith at all. Um, and I think for me at the time, that was, it was quite a strong distinction. Like, no, I don't want to go into that. You know, I don't want to go on those miscellaneous nights out and look for a one night stand at all anymore. Um, and I feel like that, that was, that kind of bold choice kind of led to the clear distinction, like, no, not at all. Um, that was necessary for me in the form of surrender that I had to make and um, to, to see that decision through. I feel like if I hadn't done that, then I would still be living in this 50-50 gray bubble of pursuing both. Um, now I feel like I've, I've kind of, I've, I've grown in my faith. Um, I've kind of deepened my relationship with God in the sense that I, and I also have friends who I can trust and, and keep me held accountable that uh, I can step into those places. I'm definitely not opposed to that because I don't think being a Christian means you should only hang around Christian people, um, which kind of sounds uh, ironic given that I'm now working for a Christian organization, but I think it's all the more important that as Christians, we do still socialize with people, you know, regardless of what their faith is or what their background is. Um, so I can step into those areas, those nightclubs, those scenes, let's say, but I, I definitely have a stronger sense of like, well, what's my motivation in being here? It's not, for example, to hook up and have a one night stand or, you know, whatever, whatever else people still do. <laughs> um, but yeah. I like that answer. And I think I can totally relate. It's like a shift of, like you said, Douglas, motivation, like the objective shifts. Before I would go to bars or parties to have like a lose myself kind of moment where I just wanted to, I don't know, not think or just go off of my instincts or hook up with someone. And, mm -hmm. um, and so it's not even like necessarily the location that is bad or evil or whatever. It's, it's what I'm bringing into it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think going into a bar now or, um, yeah, house party or, or, or anything like, especially what I was, when I was in theater, um, it'd be different now because I'd come in wanting to connect with somebody. I'd want to come in over drinks and hear their story or um, discuss something. And it's, and it's less about, um, yeah, me trying to lose a sense or just get caught up in the moment or um, get away with something. Sometimes it's one of my motivations. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me as well, like it goes as far back as to me having experienced being bullied in school. Like what that did was it gave me this sense of disconnect. Um, yeah. Number one, kind of like you just said, Scott, number one longing as human beings is to experience connection. So I'd say even when I wasn't, before I was even a Christian, that, that was kind of my motivation for going to those places was still to experience connection, but in all of the wrong ways. I don't think I experienced the long-term life-giving connection through those you know miscellaneous parties one night stands that uh that i now experience through christian community for example i have a yeah i have a renewed perspective of, of ways that i can experience connection that yeah go beyond that go deeper than that and um, without needing to kind of degrade myself and you know do things that weren't necessarily life-giving Douglas, hmm. i wanted to loop back to some of the other things you had mentioned in your story one that i thought was funny is uh I don't come from a tradition where the Holy Spirit's called the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So that, that does sound intimidating. <laughs> um, but uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of uh, one of those parts of Christianity that 
either uh, a non-Christian wouldn't even know exists or even Christians maybe don't even know how to, how to handle. So <laughs> maybe using those two different terms, what, what would you say is the difference between the Holy Ghost that you believed in and then the Holy Spirit that you now um, believe? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say, I mean, the Holy Ghost didn't even feel like something I was supposed to know about or relate to. Like, it just sounded like it was something of, you know, supernatural power that, you know, only God had, you know, I don't know. I didn't even know how to answer that, but it just felt like something that wasn't attainable for me. It wasn't something that I was supposed to understand or or use or communicate with. It was just something used to scare Christians, I guess, so that they behaved mm. properly. <laughs> um, whereas the Holy Spirit, I believe, is is kind of the way that I experienced Jesus communicating with me that time where I said I was riding my bicycle and I, I felt like he was speaking to me. I feel like, yeah, it is a way for us to experience God communicating with us, uh, whether it's you know, through a song that he puts on our, on, on our heart or yeah, whether it's just this profound sense of maybe even him hearing him audibly or through, through giving me a Bible verse or just putting someone else on my heart and then reaching out to that person and telling them that I'm thinking of them and that there was actually a reason why that happened. And they said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going through this really difficult thing. I, I really... Basically, everything that you would ever consider to be a coincidence, I believe, can be the Holy Spirit, actually, like God's way of communicating to you and through you to other people. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the, it's interesting, Douglas, your story, I think, I think is fascinating just because of um, it feels like you got to explore two aspects of life, like um, and really jump into, um, I think as, you, as you've explained it to me, because of your sexuality, there was a time where, um, yeah, bullied for it. So it was this like shameful or hidden or hurtful part of who you are. But then uh, college where it became acceptance, it was like, this is who I am and living into it and surrounded by a community that um, supported you, encouraged um, like didn't judge that at all but also was kind of also promoting the live in the moment do whatever feels right right now um and now a third phase of uh so your sexuality is not ugly or hidden or shameful that god doesn't it's not like something he's like oh, i messed up on this one um surrounded by a community that does love you and um and, and yet also still trying to come to grips with who are you and how you've been made. Mm -hmm. um, what do you feel like, like where have you landed, I guess, within um, how you relate to your sexuality? Has that, mm -hmm. has that shifted depending on each community? Um, is that still, still something that you're working through? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think to say I'm still working through it would be pretty, pretty accurate. I think even people who don't experience same-sex attraction can say they're wrestling with some element of their sexuality, whether they're single, whether they're married, or I mean, there's so many different things. Um, I'd say for me, having, having become a Christian, kind of I've found community through that has helped me kind of maintain that realization that my sexuality doesn't define me. Um, shouldn't have the power or yeah that hold over me that i feel like i i gave it in the past 
Um, but of course, we are still human. We still have human inclinations to, you know, be attracted to people and to, you know, all, all those kind of things. And so, um, especially for me and especially being in a Christian community, I, I feel like God also spoke to me a few years ago where he made it pretty clear that the phase of life that I'm in now, I mean, I'm 30 years old now, and I feel like God profoundly kind of spoken to my life a couple of years ago and, and, and said, like, this phase of life is going to be the hardest because especially in the Christian world. I mean, I'm surrounded by people who are getting married and who are having babies and kind of having all these pivotal moments in their life that yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm in, I'm in potentially never have, you know, so that can still make elements of my sexuality hard to wrestle with in a different way um, than I maybe had before. So the struggle doesn't necessarily go away, but the way in which I struggle with it, I guess, changes depending on what phase of life I'm in and where I'm at spiritually. So what I'm really curious at, say you need to give advice to your younger self or someone that's struggling with the same kind of issues that you had, mm. like what kind of advice would you give to a younger person mm. on how to deal with that? Mm. Really good. Good questions. Um, hmm. I think, um, I mean, purely based on my own, story and decisions that I made, I, I would want to ask, I would want to ask a question. I would want to ask what, what is, what is motivating the choices that I make? Um, and uh, in the sense that, you know, uh, when, when I chose to study, I, I also, I also wanted to live in a city because I'd never lived in a city. Um, but I also wanted to find one that was open to the LGBT and had a large LGBT community. Um, I don't think that was necessarily a bad decision, but it shouldn't have been the sole reason for me choosing to live where I study. Um, so I would want to ask, you know, what is the motivation for the choices that you're making? And um, I guess this is a question I, I can still ask myself today is are the decisions I make based on the people around me that, yeah, what gives me my sense of purpose, I guess, is that, is that other people or is it, you know, is it me who I am or is it God? And yeah, I guess, yeah, there's this, there's multiple questions. It's hard for me to verbally generally <laughs> <laughs> process them, but I guess, yeah, what's motivating me and is it, is it coming from a place of myself and my own strength and my abilities or is it coming from the acceptance and appreciation of others around me? Um, that's me speaking as a natural people pleaser as well, that it's often hard for me to distinguish like, hey, am I doing this because I actually want to, or am I doing it in order to experience acceptance and belonging amongst people who will like me more if I do this? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm a people pleaser myself, so I definitely uh, recognize that. Mm. I would categorize your answer as try to look within and answer your own questions before making certain decisions that that is the advice yeah it's solid <laughs> that's a solid advice i think a lot of people can even without like the bigger life question struggles i think that's a really good method to even look at daily life things mm. like what what do you do and why do you do it what's your motivation mm. yeah exactly well we are nearing the end of this first part. I wanted to take a break coming up here pretty soon and, uh, and then chat through a little bit of what we would like to uh, go back and forth on. 
some of the things that Douglas has brought up. Douglas, you might have questions for us um, and things we could dialogue a little bit more. Before we head into that break, so we'll have a part two that's uh, released on this. Uh, what is something that each of you are taking away from discuss so far and something that you would like to chat more about? So I guess I can start. Uh, Douglas, I was just taking some notes while you were chatting and man, I just think you articulate things really well. It's really fun to hear you share your story. Some things I knew, some things I totally didn't. Um, but uh, this idea of projection, um, things projected onto you, your sexuality or, or just others' expectations later. Um, yeah, I was just made me think about my own story and like things that people project onto me and just makes me think kind of like on a meta level that that is a part of everyone's journey is trying to figure out what has been projected onto me and then who am I actually or do I want to be and um, so it just seems like you've really wrestled with some aspects of that and still wrestling in other areas and um, there's so many like Christian terms that you that are part of like both of our stories so part of me is curious Joey on your end like how you're thinking about uh, Douglas's story things like baptism and um, kind of the moment that he talked about with his heart just being filled with with joy so um, I would be curious, I guess, Joey, more on your end, just like, are those just super weird or is that like, seem like a plausible experience? And so that'd be, on, that'd be on my end. Mine too. <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to hear that as well. Um, how, how that's received. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down to answer all those questions because I, I, I do have a lot of thoughts about them. Uh, most most of them positive, very little negative. Uh, just joking, all of them are positive. <laughs> it's uh, very interesting to hear. So I'm definitely down for a yeah, good conversation in part two. It's kind of interesting because I had a boy in, the, in my class a few years back who is technically the complete opposite, but was still struggling with a lot of uh, the same things. Uh, he was also... <clears throat> Um, how do you say that? You say that uh, really beautifully, beautifully attracted to the same sex. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's it. Um, and, but he was really, really open about it from day one. Mm. Like he was, he was going in, he was, uh, like celebrating a uh, purple Friday, which is a special day on schools to, uh, show the respect and help to homosexuals. So that's really great. Mm. So it's interesting to, but still interesting to hear because I hear a lot of stories from him as well from people that struggle with that. So mm -hmm. even that it's kind of a similar story and it was really interesting to hear from me that how you struggle with that as a Christian because I can imagine that is like double the load, if not more. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. This concludes part one of our episode here with Douglas. Douglas, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we're going to take a brief pause, chat a little bit, and come back on for part two. You've been listening to Between Two Worlds, stories of belief, unbelief, and everything in between. Thanks so much for listening.